Alright. So today is November 27th, is that right? Okay, so we're going through Jude, Lesson 7. We're going to take a closer look at Korah today, or what the Bible calls Korah. And before we get there, the last couple weeks I, I, I read Psalms chapter 1, and I'm going to go back there again and look at it. Psalms chapter 1, uh, it's kind of a prelude to where I want to go today, but I want to break it down just a little bit more, because in the book of Jude, it is a warning that we need to contend for the faith and that we need to beware of ungodly men. And so, uh, and we'll see ungodly men all through the Bible. From, from Cain all the way to the end of Revelation, from Genesis to Revelation, we're going to see ungodly men. And we need to be careful and we need to mark those men that are ungodly and we need to stay away from them. Psalms 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Now, we're going to see today when we study Korah, he did not do what chapter or verse 2 says. His delight was not in the law of the Lord like David's was here. Okay, verse 3. And he, who's that? The, the, the man that walks in the counsel of God, basically, shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So when you look at this, you'll actually see that there's a progression of uh, associating with the ungodly here in verse 1. It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. So don't walk in their counsel. Don't, don't walk with the ungodly, it says. And then it says, Nor standeth in the way of sinners. So don't walk, don't stand. And it says, Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. So there is a progression. You know, when you start hanging around ungodly men, it's going to rub off on you. Or ungodly women. It's going to rub off on you. And I don't know which way this progression really goes, but it starts off, walk, you walk with them, you start standing with them, and then you start sitting with them. In other words, you just really start hanging out with them and almost living with them, and yet that's what we're not supposed to be, okay? So, again, ungodly all over this chapter. Ungodly, ungodly, ungodly. So, what is a definition of, of ungodly? I'm gonna have, I want you guys to tell me. Separate from God. Okay. What else would be a term used for ungodly? Against God. Against God. Anything else? Unrighteous. Unrighteous. Rebellion. Rebellious. 
What do you say, Carrie? Unrighteous. Unrighteous. Hatred. Okay. Okay. So when I look this up in the concordance, the number one word used to describe ungodly is wicked. Okay. It also can be uh, translated worthless, condemned, guilty, bad, perverse, irrelevant, if I, if I said that right, impious, sinful, one who violates God. So the one I liked out of all that was the one wicked. So just, you know, what is an ungodly person? A wicked person. Okay. So, uh, again, and we're looking at that in the book of Jude, right? So, um, your handout there, Jude lesson number seven, a closer look at core. And Jude 11, it says, and perished in the gainsaying of core. Now, the next line there says, this core is the Greek form of Kora. So there's a blank that you have, Kora, K-O-R-A-H, of Numbers chapter 16 and what you find in the Old Testament. So Kora is a cousin of Moses and Aaron. Korah is a Levite. So I think you have a blank there. So Korah uh, was a Levite. Okay, Again, Moses and Aaron were Levites, right? So Aaron was a Levite, but he was also God... Uh, God uh, what do I want to say here? God instructed that the priests were going to start with Aaron and then continue on with his son. So if you were to be a priest according to God's instructions in the Old Testament under the law, you had to be a relative or a son of Aaron or a grandson or down the line. And so, but Aaron was a Levite, but he's also a priest, but not all priests or not all, let me see if I get this right. I'm getting tongue tied. So all priests are Levites, but not all Levites are priests. That's what I was trying to say. So Korah is a Levite, and I'm wanting to look at the time period of, of Korah back in, let's go back to Numbers chapter 16, and we may bounce back to another place besides that. But number 16 is when you really find out about this guy Korah, and the story is, of Korah is in number 16. Now we just studied another ungodly man in the Bible, and what was his name? The last guy, last week. Balaam. Balaam was found in, in Numbers chapter, if I remember right, 22. Is that right? Yes. And so, now we're in number 16, so that's before Balaam, but yet, the time period is after God sent the spies into the land and they, and they came back and the nation of Israel revolted against God at that point or rebelled against God and said, no, we don't want to go into the land. So in that 40 years of wandering, uh, which was a result of their not obeying God to go into the land and not having enough faith in God to go into the land, we see 40 years of wandering, and in that 40 years is this story of Korah. 
Now that's very important to know. I had never thought about it before studying this out. The story takes place about six months after, according to what I can come up with. Now I'm not going to, you know, when we have our test coming up here in a couple weeks, no, no test. And you guys put down it was the 35th year. I can't really refute that, but all everything points to that this story takes place really early on in that 40 years of wondering. And what several sources that I kept uh, looking at, one of them was Usher. Usher was a, a guy that put dates to the Bible. And so Usher has, has uh, uh, the story of Korah about six months after the, uh, the people of Israel not going into the land. So six months into the 40 years of wandering is this story. Now, that, to me, uh, that's, that's a, a big deal. And another thing that I looked at was I have a chronological Bible. And I never used it a whole lot, but I got it out and looked at it at this point, and they also basically had the same date, that it's very close to when the, the wondering started. And so I think that's important because that's going to kind of give you the mindset of the people at this time. So what do you think the God's people, six months after the wondering started, what's their attitude going to be like? They're probably upset, they're probably bitter, they're mad because God told them no, they can't go into the land now and uh, they're, they're a little hostile. That's what I'm thinking. And so I think that has something to do with this story in the back of my mind. So keep that in the back of your mind. So um, it's very soon after after that wondering starts. So Korah is found in the Bible in, a, in the following places in your handout. And so the first place you see him is in Exodus 6, 21 to 24. So turn back to Exodus. What was the first blank on our sheet? The first blank should be, and Korah is the Greek form of Korah. Okay. So when we see Korah in the book of Jude, we're talking about Korah that we see back in Numbers. So let's see, Exodus 6. We're going to look at Chorus genealogy. And I've got to get there, guys. Exodus chapter 6, 21 through 24 says, And the sons of Izhar, Korah and Nepeg and Zikri, and the sons of Uzul were Mishal, Elisphan and Zithri, and Aaron took him Elisheba, the daughter of Benadab, sister of Nation, to wife, and she bare him Nadab and Abihu. Remember them? Nadab and Abihu? Who can, 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 now, how would you like to have that for a name? I complain about Bob being so boring. I'm glad it's not one of those. But remember the, who they were? They were Aaron's sons that took strange fire. And what happened to them? God zapped him, right? By fire came out and destroyed him. But here in this, in, uh, in uh, Numbers chapter, uh, six, we see chorus genealogy. So I, I drew it up on the map a little more detail. So Levi, one of the sons of Jacob, has three sons. He has Gershon, Kohath, and Merari, Mer- or however you pronounce that. And Kohath is the guy we're going to be really looking at. He has he has four sons. One of them was Amram. 
And from Amram, he has two sons, Aaron and Moses, and also Miriam. So they are related to Kohath, which is a son of Levi. Okay, so Aaron would be uh, the great, great, let's see how that would be. He's the great grandson of Levi or great, great grandson. So his grandfather would be Kohath, so it would be great, great grandfather. Okay, so those come from the Kohathites. And then you have a son named Hebron. There's not a whole lot in the Bible that we're going to look at. And then there's a son by the name of Izhar. Is that what it said? Did I get an R or an N in there? Izhar. I-Z-H-A-R. So he's another son of Kohath. And his son is, his first son is this Korah they're going to be talking about. And then the next boy was Napheg and Zikri. And then one of the other sons of Kohath, Uzziel, he has two sons, and one of them is Ella's fan. Okay, so those are the guys we're going to be looking at, because in this story, we're going to see Aaron and Moses, we're going to see Korah, and we're going to see this guy, Ella's fan, has something to do with it. And what's happened is, and, and I'll just give you a little details, God had set up the law in Leviticus and set up the way that he was to be worshipped, and it was through the Levites, it was through the priests, and so the Levites are all in charge of certain things. And so Aaron and Moses, though, Mo, Aaron becomes the priest, Korah is part of the Kohathites that works in the service of the temple, and this Ellis fan guy is basically over everything. He's over all the Kohathites. So just a little info there. So you see the Korah's genealogy in Exodus. Now let's go back to number 16 for a little bit, and that's where Korah's rebellion is at. But let me move right over that. In Numbers 27.3, I don't think we'll go there for sake of time today, the daughters of Zelophehad, in defense of their father, proclaimed that he was not mixed up with the sin of Korah. Now, if you know this story, when they're getting ready to go into the land, there there was a group of daughters. This one man only had daughters. And so, that's this group. And so the daughters of Zelophad, they come and talk to Moses and they say, hey, when do we get in the land? Since our father didn't have any sons, we really need to have a portion of, of, of what our father's inheritance should have been. And so, you know, they, they talk about it and they agree with what she said and they work through a situation. But in the middle of that, she goes, now I want you to know, Moses, my dad was not mixed up with the sins of Korah. So that's what we see in First Chronicles uh, 6, or I mean Numbers 27.3. And in First Chronicles 6.37, we see the genealogy of Levi's sons, the sons of Kohath, which included Korah, were given the honor of serving in the tabernacle. So, um, in Numbers, go back to Numbers 3 here, because we're on our way anyway, so... Uh, it'll give a little more information on that. Numbers chapter 3. And again, this is all background. Numbers 3. And we're going to start off in verse 27. And the and of Kohath was the family of the Amorites, the family of the Israelites, and the family of the Hebronites, and the family of the Uzalites, and these are the families of the Kohathites. Okay, again, all these guys... Uh, sons of Levi. 
28. And the number of all the meals from the month, uh, from a month old and upward were 8,600 keeping charge of the sanctuary. And the families of the sons of Kohath shall pitch on the south side of the tabernacle southward. And the chief of the house of the father of the families of the Kohathites shall be this Elisphan, the son of Uziel. Okay, so let me go ahead and, un- and uh, erase some of this if I can find my eraser. So in the in the tribes, the the Kohathites took a kind of a special place among the Levites in the in the service of the sanctuary. Because you had the sanctuary, or you had the tabernacle, okay? And then around the tabernacle, you had the Kohathites on the south. You had Aaron and Moses on the, on the east. On the north, you had the Merili group. And on the west, you had the Gershonites. Okay. Now that's the tabernacle. Okay. And then around that, you had the rest of the tribes. And so, um, the, the point I want to point out is, the Kohathites are on the south side. And they worked very closely with Moses and Aaron on the special items in the tabernacle when they took it from place to place. They were in charge of things like the ark, the ark, the, the candles, the tables, the, the things on the holy of holies. They were in charge of all that. It was the Kohathites that was in charge of that, which, which Korah is a part of. So that's, that, uh, fits into our story today, okay? And so, um, so in uh, the next thing we see that uh, Kor is also listed in First Chronicles six thirty seven in the genealogy of Levi's sons, the sons of Koath, which included Kor, in, in the honor of serving the tabernacle, which I just mentioned. And so, basically, what I want to say is they had the highest position among the Levites as far as position of service. In the tabernacle. And then in Jude 11, we see, uh, we see, uh, Kor, in, in a bad way, uh, perished in the gainsaying of Co, of Kor. And then your handout, it says, gainsaying is defined as to speak against. So in the book of Jude, when it said the gainsayings of Korah, it means that those gainsayings mean to speak against. It is a speech against somebody. It's, you know, in front of people. It's going up and speaking against them. So, I know I'm throwing a lot of stuff in here. All these stories, I think, oh, this is just going to be a simple little story. And you start getting into it, and it's like Balaam. It's like, oh my gosh, there is so much there. So turn over a few pages to number 16. Now, I've given you all the background, and I want to actually look at the story. Okay? So I've given you that... Korah is 
is a, a Levite. He's of the group of the Kohathites. He has a high position in the in the in the tabernacle service, and he is the main guy that we're going to be looking at today in chapter 16. And apparently, he's an ungodly man. Ooh, think about that for a minute. Here's a guy that's supposed to be a top guy in the service of the Lord. And he throws a rebellion out in front of Moses. Okay, so let's look at this. Numbers chapter 16. And I'm just going to read through it real quick and then we'll go back. And Or I may stop. I don't know what I'm going to do. Just hang with me. How's that? Number 16 says, Now Korah, the son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, just like we have up here, and Dathan and Abram, the sons of Eliab and on the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. Now I'm going to stop for just a little minute. Remember I said the rest of the tribes were around these guys? The tribe of Reuben was right down here next to the Kohathites. So now, and let me see, let me put that on here. The Reubenites are down here. So, they'd be probably, you know, right next door to, to the Kohathites. So, all of a sudden, uh, we're seeing we're seeing Korah, the from the tribe of Kohath, and we're seeing Reuben from another tribe, right close together. They're coming up against Moses. Okay, verse two. And they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, two hundred and fifty princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. So you got Korah. You've got these three guys from the tribe of, Lube, of Reuben, and you've got 250 men all coming up and having a beef with Moses. And they gathered themselves, verse 3, against Moses and against Aaron, and he said unto them, Ye take too much upon you, seeing that all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift ye yourselves above the congregation of the Lord? So what did they just say? Basically, they're saying they, like Catholics or priests are higher than the congregation. They're, they're basically suggesting that, that. You think you're better than us. Yeah. There you go. Who do you think you are? Right. Like you're closer to God because you're a priest. Right. Right, that's basically it. They're, they're saying, who do you think you are, Moses and Aaron? You think you're holy, but really the whole congregation's holy. And you're reading this and you're like, uh, just six months before, you guys didn't obey God, you didn't go into the land. How about all those other times all the way down that you didn't obey God, and yet the people are all holy? And what does holy mean? Holy means set apart, sanctified. That's what it means. Um... Uh, okay, so let's move on with the story. And then I'll come probably back and we'll break it up. Okay. And verse 4, And when Moses heard it, he fell on his face, and he spoke unto Korah and to all his company, saying, Even tomorrow the Lord will show you who are his and who is holy, and will cause him to come near unto him, and to him whom he hath chosen will he cause to come near unto him. This do. Take ye censers, Korah, and all his company, and put fire therein, and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow, and it shall be that the man whom the Lord doth choose, he shall be holy. You take too much upon you, ye sons of Levi. So here they come and accuse Moses. Who do you make yourself out to be? 
you think you're holy and all that, and we're just as holy as you are. And, and Moses says, well, let's have a little test. You you guys put get your censers out, you put fire and incense on them, and you show up tomorrow at the tabernacle door, and we'll see who God says, and we'll let God decide who's holy and who's not holy. Okay? I wonder if that scared him. You'd think it would, but it doesn't. Verse 8, And Moses said unto Korah, Here I pray ye, sons of Levi, seemeth it but a small thing unto you? that the God of Israel hath separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself to do the service of the tabernacle of of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to minister unto him. And he hath brought thee near to him and all thy brethren, the sons of Levi, with thee. And seek ye the priesthood also. He's basically saying, hey guys, God has elevated you guys. You're a Levite. You're, you're the one serving in the, in the, in the tabernacle and you've got a high position. He goes, is that not enough for you? And he says, are you seeking the priesthood also? And there it was. There's the key right there. Because Korah wants to be the priest. You kind of have to read between the lines here, okay? Verse 11, it says, For which cause both thou and thy company are gathered together against the Lord? And what is Aaron that you murmur against him? And Moses sent to call for Dathan and Abram, the sons of Eliab, which said, We will not come up. So those two guys conspired with Korah, but they were too chicken to even show up to talk to Moses face to face. They just stayed in their, their tents. So he sends for them. Verse 13 says, Is it a small thing that thou hast brought us up? Uh, and they go, We will not come up. Verse 12. And then 13, it says, Is it a small thing that thou hast brought us up out of a land that floweth with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness, except thou make thyself altogether a prince over us? Moreover, thou hast not brought us into a land that floweth with milk and honey, or given us inheritance or fields and vineyards. Will thou put out the eyes of these men? Will we not come up? or we will not come up. And Moses was very wroth, and he said unto the Lord, Respect not thou their offering. I have not taken one ass from them, neither have I hurt one of them. And Moses said unto Korah, Be thou and all thy company before the Lord, thou and they and Aaron tomorrow, and take every man his censer, and put incense in them, and bring ye before the Lord every man his censer, two hundred and fifty censers, thou also and Aaron, each of you his censer. Okay, so let's stop there for a minute. So, uh, on our handout here, we have the whole chapter is really of the rebellion on Korah. But in verses 1 and 2, which we've already looked at, uh, we see who who is involved in the conspiracy. Well, number one, Korah, then Dathan and Abram, and this guy named by the name of On. They took men. And how many men did they take back in verse uh, 2? 250. So they got 250 men and it caused these, and these men are called princes of Israel. And then it says that they are famous and that they are men of renown. In fact, let's look at it. It says, verse 2, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. Now what does that mean? That they're famous. They made cookies. Uh, they're like <laughs> uh, they're like they're like a leader. Okay, they're like a leader in, in the among the people. 
It says they're famous, they were men of renown, and that's another reason why I think these men... Now, let's stop and think about that. I said this story takes place very soon after they rejected going into the land. So, we're not talking about the generation... We're, we're talking about what I believe is the generation that's getting ready to die off because they disobeyed God. We're not talking about their children. And when it says men of renown, famous in Israel, is another hint to tell us it's not the children that, that God kept alive that was going to go into the land in 40 years. This is their original group that refused to go, that also came out with Moses from Egypt and saw what God had done all the way through. Okay? And so, when it says 250 princes, men of renown, men that are well known, these are people that have been with Moses all the way from the beginning. All the way from Exodus. They were well known. They have a name. People know them. Okay, they've been around a while. They are part of this group. Okay? Well, I could see why they're hacked off at Moses because they didn't get to go into the land. But it wasn't Moses' fault. Was it? Okay. And so the conspiracy is the people are Korah, Dathan, Abram, on, and the 250 princes. Okay. And their opening complaint in verse 3 of 16 says, they said, basically, you have lifted yourself up, Moses and Aaron, as basically king and priest. Who do you think you both are? Like we talked about earlier. And not only that, you're not the only holy people here because the whole congregation is holy. But that goes against what God had set out when He when He put the law in place and when He put the worship in place, when He put the, the worship service in the tabernacle in place. So basically, they're upset with Moses and Aaron, but who are they really upset with? God. God's the one that orchestrated all this. Now, I'm sitting there thinking, now how would I react if I'd have been in this group? Well, first of all, I could say, well, you know, who does Aaron think he is because he's the priest now? I mean, Aaron was a jerk. Aaron's the one that made the golden calf. Remember, he's the guy that when Moses came down from the hill, he's like, how did this golden calf get here? And Moses goes, hey, I, you know, I took some gold from the people. We threw it in a fire and out, poof, out came this golden calf. And like, if I was, if I was Moses, I'd probably shot Aaron right then. <laughs> but I'm like, Aaron had his problems. Moses had his problems. The point is, there, every man has problems. So when you, you know, and you, and you go to church and you go, well, yeah, so and so, he's he's one of the pastors there. But man, look at him. He he's still jacked up at in places. Yeah. The reason that Aaron is the priest is not because he was holy and sinless to begin with. It was because God appointed him to be the priest and his family the priest. Okay. Moses had his problems too, but God appointed him to be the leader. So what they're really uh, complaining about is that God didn't, God didn't choose them and they're upset. They're jealous. They're jealous. They're mad. They're mad because they didn't go, get to go into the land. But again, it's not their fault. Okay? And so, 
Let's look at Moses' reply to the group in verses 4. So I read a little bit of the story, but I didn't want to read the whole chapter, so I'm getting too far out. So Moses tells them, and the first thing Moses does, he hears their complaint and he falls on his face. And he spake unto Korah and all the company, saying, Even tomorrow the Lord will show you who are his. I think he's a little mad. Um, and who is holy. And will cause him to come near unto him, even to him whom he hath chosen, will he cause to come near unto him. This do, and he says, take ye censers, Korah, and all his company, and put fire therein, and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow, and it shall be that the man whom the Lord doth choose, he shall be holy, he take too much upon ye, ye sons of Levi. So they came and they accused Moses of taking too much honor on him. And he says, you guys are taking too much honor on you. And the bottom line was Moses would probably have been happy to have unloaded his leadership on these people since they wanted it. Because he didn't really want it, but God had appointed it to him at this point. There are several times in the wilderness or even getting to this point that... Uh, God was upset with the people and uh, and there's a few places that Moses is upset with the people and if they would ever got together, Israel would have been wiped out because one time Moses like, just, just kill them all, God. And God's like, no, I won't do that. And the next thing you know, God's like, back off, Moses, because I'm going to kill them. And Moses goes, no, don't kill them. <laughs> and so this goes back and forth. There's like three times that God told Moses, this is the third time that he tells him, stand back. Because I'm going to consume these guys. We'll start over. Yeah, we'll start it over with you. So, I mean, this is, it's kind of ironic. Can you imagine being Moses, you know, and the people coming and you're like, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> you have got to be, you, you, you sure you know what you want? You want the priesthood? You want to be, have my job? You sure you want that? Because he's probably thinking, if it's possible, I'd give it to you, but they wasn't what God had had wanted. So their complaint was, who made you king and who made Aaron priest? And who do you think you are? And his reply was, okay, let's see who's holy. So let's look at verses 12 through 14 when Moses communicates with Dathan and Abram. These are the two chicken littles that wouldn't even show up. So um, let me see here. i got to get to 16, I'm sorry. And Moses sent to call Dathan and Abram, the sons of Elam. Now that's what a good leader would do. Hey, you're not here and you got a beef and course is using your name. I want to hear it from your lips. So he sends for them. Yet and they won't come. Which said, we will not come up. And here's their complaint. Is it a small, th- is it a small thing that thou hast brought us up out of a land that floweth with milk and honey? Okay, let's stop for a second. Was Egypt a land flowing with milk and honey? No. No. And if you go back, when when they sent the spies and the spies came back in the land, that night they were wanting to stone Moses and make a new leader and go back to Egypt because Egypt was was just wonderful. No, they forgot what they came out of. Right here, this was not right. Is it a small thing that thou hast brought us up out of a land that floweth with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness? You just brought us up here to kill us, Moses. Except thou make thyself altogether a prince over us. And not only that, you took us out of a good place. You brought us up here. You want to kill us. And you made yourself the king. 
I mean, they're ticked. I mean, but all those were wrong. Every, their perspective was totally wrong. Okay? He goes, and moreover, thou hast not brought us into a land that floweth with milk and honey, or giveth inheritance of fields and vineyards. Wilt thou put out the eyes of these men? We will not come up. The problem was, they're blaming Moses for their shortcomings. If they would have just followed God with, with, when they sent the spies out in the report, if they'd have followed Moses, they would have been in the land with milk and honey. But they've got it all whacked out of whack. Verse 15, and Moses was very wroth. I can imagine. He's like, you guys. And he said, and said unto the Lord, respect not their offering. I have not taken one ass from them, neither have I hurt one of them. And Moses says to Korah, Be thou and all thy company before the Lord, thou and they, and Aaron tomorrow, and take every man his censer, and put incense in them, and bring ye before the Lord every man his censer, two hundred and fifty censers, thou also, Korah, and Aaron, each of you his censer. And they took every man his censer and put fire in them and laid incense thereon and stood in the door of the tabernacle of the congregation with Moses and Aaron. Okay, so the next morning, who shows up? All of them. Man, do they got guts. They think they're in the right. They're in the majority. Because it's 250 versus 2. Not counting whoever else they brought with them. Okay? And so, in verse 19, And Korah gathered all the congregation against them, Moses and Aaron, unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the congregation. Now they see God appearing in whatever form He is above the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord spake unto Moses and to Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. Now, how many people do you think soiled their pants about that time? (laughs) They thought they were in the majority and they thought, well, God's going to see it our way and we're going to get through this. But they didn't. I mean, just so you have a lot of numbers and you're against God, it doesn't make any difference, does it? It was Moses and Aaron and God against the rest of them. Guess who won? Moses and Aaron and God. And they fell upon their faces and they said, Oh God, they got, let's see, let me back up. Uh, and they fell upon their faces and said, Now who's the they there? The rest of the no, 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 it's, it's, it's Moses. It's Moses and Aaron. And they felt, because the congregation, this group doesn't do anything right. I mean, they're just kind of like Saul. Once he becomes a king, he doesn't do nothing right. And they fell upon their faces and said, O God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin, and wilt thou be wroth with the congregation? And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the congregation, saying, Get you up from about the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan, and Abram. And Moses rose up, and he went unto Dathan and Abram, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spake unto the congregation, saying, Depart, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men. Ooh, another name for ungodly. And touch nothing of theirs, lest ye be consumed in all their sins. So they got, got up from the tabernacle of Korah, 
Dathan and Abram on every side. And Dathan and Abram came out and stood in the door of their tents and their wives and their sons and their little children. And Moses said, Hereby you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works. For I have not done them of mine own. So he's going, guys, you're accusing me of making myself the king or the leader. I have not done that. I've not done anything on my own. Okay, verse 29. If these men die the common death of all men, or if they be visited after the visitation of all men, then the Lord hath not sent me. But if the Lord make a new thing and the earth open her mouth and swallow them up with all that appertain unto them, and they go down quickly into the pit, then you shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord. And it came to pass, as he had made an end of speaking all these words, that the ground clave asunder that was under them, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up, and their house and all the men that appertained unto Korah and all their goods. They and all their appertained unto them went down alive into the pit, and the earth closed upon them, and they perished from among the congregation." Now that's that's where it says in Jude they perished in the gainsaying of Korah, verse thirty four. And all Israel that were round about them fled at the cry of them, for they said, "Lest the earth swallow us up also." Verse thirty five. And there came out a fire from the Lord and consumed the two hundred and fifty men that offered incense. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying. And then I'm going to stop right there. So in this rebellion that goes on, we see the conspiracy. We saw their complaint. We saw his reply and his communication. And on the back of your hand, I don't know, if, do I have any more blanks on the front? I don't think so. Uh, verse 15 through 35 is the perishing of the rebellious group. And so there were two groups, two separate Two separate things that God used to destroy this group. The one was the earth opened up her mouth and, and swallowed them alive. And then we have the 250 guys that put fire in the censers. Fire came out from the Lord and burnt those guys up. Okay. So, Korah and his group went against Moses, Aaron, and I think number three on your handout is who? God. And specifically what God had ordained as far as the law and the qualifications to worship Him. You know, the book of Leviticus says that we need to come to God through sacrifice. But it comes, you gotta have the right sacrifice. We saw with Cain. And you've gotta have the right people. And after the law, God set up the order of the priesthood. Okay? And so they went against God's priesthood of which God had set up to worship Him on your handout. This priest was a picture or a foreshadow of Christ, our high priest in Hebrews 9.11. So even today, even though we, we, we don't have to go through a priest, on this earth anyway, the only priest we go through is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the mediator between man, between God and men. He is our high priest. So that, we don't have a high priest on earth like they did in the Old Testament and their Levitical system. But with us, we still have a high priest. And our high priest is Christ. Okay? And all this was a picture of that. So Cain brought the, you got two blanks in your handout. 
he brought the wrong sacrifice. Balaam taught the people to worship the wrong God. And Korah had the wrong priest. He wanted to be the priest, but he, he did not meet the qualifications of being a priest. Okay. So the rebellion of Korah was going against God's appointed leaders in his law. The sin of Korah was wanting to be a priest or the priest. And he wanted to be priest because then he would have power. He not only wanted to be priest, I think he wanted to be, have Moses' uh, position too. Because motion, uh, Moses had a lot of power. I mean, he controlled the army, controlled where they went. I mean, I mean he was following the Lord, but I mean, he, he was the top guy. And he con- controlled all this stuff and the priest controlled everything else. And the punishment of Korah was, well, the earth swallowed him up. And for the guys in conspiracy with him, the fire devoured the 250 men. Apparently, they didn't remember Abihu and what's the other guy's name? Nadab. Nadab and Abihu. You know, they were the priest sons that brought the wrong fire. They brought strange fire to the tabernacle and they got burned up. So these guys thought they could come to God when they was in the priest. And they got the same fate. They also got burnt up. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So Korah bucked God's system and it cost him his life. And as a result of this, over 15,000 people died. So with Balaam, it was almost that, or maybe a little more. Was it like 16,000 died with him? So Korah was a man that rebelled against God. He, he rebelled against God's established establishment. And he took up, that's the sad part, he took other people with him. You know, he took his little ones and his wives and other people that went with them. And that's basically what Jude is warning us not to fit in with these ungodly men. Because if you do, you'll end up like our example, Korah. And our example, Cain, our example, Balaam, because they were all ungodly men that went against God and against his people. Okay? He knows he's lost. He's just going to take as many of, as many with him as he he can. Right. And and remember last week I said all of those have ties to, have satanic ties. Balaam has satanic ties. Cain has satanic. And basically there's not a lot difference between Korah and Cain. The only difference I see is is Cain was before the law and uh, Korah was after the law. It both had to do with worshiping God and you have to worship God His way. And that's the same way with people today. They go, well, you know, any religion will do. Yeah, all roads lead to heaven. Any religion will work. No, you've got to come God's way. And there's only one way, and it's through His Son. Okay? And so, and, and, you, and a lot of people, you know, now the Catholics have kind of jumped in on this, but, uh, 
they're all they're they're taking things out of out of out of uh, place here. That's a different dispensation. That's Old Testament. And again, why do they do it? Because the power that Moses and Aaron had. That's why the Pope wants all this power that he has. When he's the top dog, well, he has power to do this. He has power to do everything. And that's what Corey wanted. He wanted the power. He wanted, and when he did that, he went directly against God. Okay. So I think that's where I'm at. I had a whole bunch more stuff in my head probably to get out. It's just not coming out. But all three of these men, Cain, Balaam, and Korah, were rebels. They rebelled against what God said, and it did not go well for them. So we need to remember that. And even today, ungodly men, it's not going to go good for them. And so we need to stay completely away from them the best we can. We need to make sure we're not one of those. But, uh, you know, we're all saved. We're all, we you know... We have eternal security and we can't lose that. Thank goodness. When you look at all the times the Israelites in the Old Testament messed up and you're like, how can you be so stupid? But you look at people today and you go, how can people be so stupid? Then I look at my own life and I'm like, how can I be so stupid at times? Because I've got it all. Nothing's changed. It's the same thing. It You're be right. It's hard to show people that God's gift of acceptance is so simple and so free, and you don't have to do anything other than you know repent and believe. And they just the world is so like she said, Satan has got the world so dark. They don't believe it. The right? whole world Nothing just is for free. Re- rebels against. Yeah. Rebels against God. So next week we'll continue on with Jude. We'll get back in Jude a little bit more and talk some more about these ungodly men and more of their characteristics. But these are three. That you know that these guys have to be bad dudes because God pointed them out. These You want to know what the poster child looks like for ungodly men? It's these three guys. When you study them out, you'll realize, wow, how rebellious and evil they really were. And so we need to stay away from that. So let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, we come before you today, Lord. And we thank you for your word. We thank you for the book of Jude. We thank you for uh, illustrations in it, Lord, that you tell us what we need to be, but you also tell us what to watch out for and what we uh, should not be like or even be associated with. So I pray, Lord, that you would help us to, to live our lives according to your word, according to your uh, your rules, and Lord, uh, uh, I just pray that you would bless us, which I know you will, uh, for a, as a result of obeying you. So I pray for our class today, Lord, that we would be obedient about about serving you with our life, and we would be obedient about uh, fulfilling the great commission in our life, and that we would be used by you to just further your kingdom to to best of our ability. So we ask all this today, Lord, in Christ's name, Amen. Mm-hmm.